Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Welcome to our Wednesday night teaching from the sanctuary here at Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Somebody say hallelujah. All right, as you know that we do, and we have been since the pandemic, we go right into the word of God, and then we'll have a worship video for you at the end. Get your Bible or your electronic device and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Let's read it out loud together. Ready, begin. Being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to sit under your word, to receive instruction, to receive the anointing, to be empowered and strengthened to continue to do the work that you have called us to do. I thank you for doing just that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless your hearts. Those of you that are in here may be seated. We're going to continue our talk teaching on the perseverance of the saints, and it is still a part of our series on grace to finish. I'm, I'm having fun right now. Grace to finish. Grace to finish. We cannot finish if we don't persevere. Can't finish anything if you don't persevere. Paul says here to the church in Philippi or Philippi, he says he is strongly convinced. That's what he says. I'm confident. God, Paul says, I'm strongly convinced that God who started a work in you is going to finish the work he started in you. Paul says, I'm strongly convinced. This is the Apostle Paul. He's not prophesying. He's simply saying, because I have fellowship with you, because we have worked together, because you have supported me in ministry, because I have seen God bless you because you supported me in ministry, because you partnered with me and you've been consistent in your service and your giving, Paul says, I am confident that you are going to allow God to finish what he started in you. Because of how the church or the believers or the saints in Philippi handled themselves when Paul was in need, when other churches were in need. Paul says, because I see God being so big in you, I know he's going to finish what he started in you. Paul says he's confident of that. He's persuaded by their consistent love for the things of God. Let me ask you a question. Can people look at you? Can people study you? And determine your love for the things of God? Can people look at your life? And determine your love for the things of God or the lack of love you have for the things of God. Paul could. We can, too, particularly those in Christian leadership. We can tell how much people love the things of God. And, and, and really, we're talking about the saints. Paul said that about the church. In Philippi, I can tell how consistent you are that you love the things of God. I can tell because you love the things of God, because you love God so much, you're not going to quit. You're going to continue to give God every opportunity to use you. It's quiet. Paul says, I can tell how you love God that trouble's not going to stop you from working in the kingdom. I can tell how you 
(laughs) Fight against all that opposes what you're supposed to do. You're not going to quit. You're going to persevere, which means you're going to allow God to finish what he started in you. Since God was at work in the Philippian saints, they knew, hear this, they knew how to keep God working in their lives. Somebody needs to write that down. I believe there's a revelation in there somewhere for somebody that since you know how to get God or allow God to get started in you, you should know how to keep him going. If God started the work and he's doing the work, then you and I ought to know how to keep him working in us. So shouldn't say things like, I don't know where God is. I don't know what he's up to. Well, when did you know what he was up to? When did you not notice God was still at work in your life? When did you get so busy that you start ignoring God at work in your life? Because as soon as you start, as soon as we start ignoring what God has been doing, it's going to be hard to see what he's going to do. Somebody needs to write that down. That's why you don't know what God is up to, because somewhere in your walk, you walked away from God and now you don't know where he is. So you don't know how to catch up and walk with him. Because he that began a good work in you, God will not abandon you. Write that down. God didn't walk away from you. You walked away from him. So now you're trying to find out where he is so you can find out what he's up to because you want to be a part of what God is up to. Write this down, please. Our heavenly father never turns his back on his children. Our heavenly father never turns his back on his children. God will never turn his back on you. If you can't locate God somewhere along the way, you turned and walked away. But God will never, never Capital never, capital N, capital E, capital V, capital E, capital R. God will never turn his back on his children. Don't ever lie and say God abandoned you. I know tough. I know times get tough. I know we have emotions. I know we're pulled in every direction. I know there's a lot of loss and there's tragedy in our lives. I know there's there's trauma that people experience. But as a believer, don't ever allow yourself to believe the lie of the devil and say that God abandoned you because God doesn't abandon his children. Psalm 138 verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. This is a song of David. This is what David is saying. He's basically saying God will fulfill and complete and do whatever he promised concerning your life. God will do whatever is necessary to fulfill the very reason he created you. God had a purpose for each and every one of us before we were created. And everything that is happening to us is designed to get us to complete the reason he created us. So when we quote scriptures like Romans 8, 28, and we say, and we know all things work together for the good. That's what you're saying, that no matter what happens in my life, God will make it work together for me to accomplish the reason he created me. So then as I mature in my walk with God, when things happen, I'm not going to be broken and defeated too long because I know eventually this is going to bless me and cause me to be what God created me to be. 
All you and I need to have is perseverance. You know, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. At least it's funny to me. I got the mic. So it's kind of funny that 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 when you get older, you say things like I never thought being 60 would be like this. You know, I, I just I just I never thought I would not have any hair. Just, you know, things like that. I never I never thought certain things. But 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 see that right there is proof that you don't know. And hear this. There are things that we all learn as we go. What am I mean? What am I? Why am I saying this? Whatever you don't know now, if you persevere past it, you'll understand it. There are certain things you and I can't understand until we go through it. And in the going through it, there is a lesson to it. Don't be. Don't be a Christian that never learns from anything you go through. Because if you're one of those people, you're destined to repeat it. It's a lesson. It's a lesson. God, I've said this before, I'm going to say it now again. God moves in cycles. Write it down. God moves in cycles. The Bible says the thing that has been is a thing that's going to be. The sun rises in the east, sets in the west. It'll do that again. It's a cycle. It's winter now in this on this hemisphere. Spring is coming. It's a cycle. God does things in cycles. There are cycles in your life that you have yet to identify. That's why you don't understand where you are. It's a cycle. Cycles, some cycles are of God. Some have been implanted into your life by your surroundings. This is why, this is why some people, male or female, who have yet to grow enough in Christ, discern, have their discernment enhanced, you don't realize you keep dating the same person and wonder why you're going through the same thing. It's a cycle. It needs to be broken. <laughs> ah, I didn't intend to say all this. This is why some of y'all broke. Because you keep repeating the same error in your finances. Don't point fingers at each other. Learn, ask God where the cycle is. Break the cycle. Then, then after you do, A, B will show up, but B will be from the scriptures and not from your own life and your own head. So it's hard to persevere, my brothers and sisters, when you don't know what your future holds. Let's go a bit deeper in that for a minute. We'll move on. When you grow in knowledge and in grace, when you learn how to <laughs> interpret the scriptures, you'll find that at every point and season in your life, there's somebody in the scriptures that mimics that same season you're in. And all you got to do is do what they did to come out and you'll come out. That's how you read the Bible. There are times in your life you'll be a David. There's times you'll be an Elijah. There's times you'll be a Paul. There's times you'll be a Joseph and you keep getting done wrong. There's times you'll be a, a Jacob and they'll keep changing your wages. But if you don't understand how to break the cycle, you'll stay in that. This is why we study to show ourselves approved. We just don't read the Bible or just hear messages. You got to study the word. Somebody say amen. So David says, God will perfect or complete or mature everything that concerns you and I. God is not going to leave you an infant physically. Look at you. You grew up. <laughs> you weren't born and you stayed the same physical size. So neither are you supposed to stay the same size emotionally. 
You're supposed to grow and mature emotionally. We're supposed to grow and mature spiritually. Why? Because God is perfecting us. He's finishing. He's completing us. So whatever you're not strong enough for now, just hang in there. You'll be stronger than it is in a minute, in a while, in a week. Stop throwing in the towel, losing a victory. I'm tired of this. Just keep eating, praying, fasting. Eventually you won't be tired of that anymore. You'll overcome it. Think about all the things you already overcame. Remember when you were in, <laughs> remember when you were a little boy, a little girl in grade school and you just didn't want to go back to school because they were just so mean and you thought you would never live past it. Remember how they talked about how big your ears were? Mama, I ain't going to school. Look, look at it. Your head caught up with your ears. Somebody need to praise him right there. <laughs> your head caught up with your ears. All you had to do is just keep living. So my mother used to say, keep living. Jimmy, keep living. I'm glad I kept living because I lived past some things. So David says, God will perfect that which concerns me. His mercy endureth forever. God has mercy, more mercy than you and I will ever, ever need. Why? Because it's to remind us that God will not forsake the works of his own hand. Oh, come on. God is not like people today can have babies and give them to the fire department or walk. No, no. God doesn't have or create children that he abandons. You, you may feel all alone. You may be physically all alone. But I want you to know God is right there with you. And this is what enables us to what? Persevere. It enables us to finish what God started in us. In John 10, 28, Jesus said of his sheep, my sheep hear my voice. And he says, and they follow me. He says, they shall never perish. And neither will anyone pluck them out of my hand. Hallelujah. Nobody can pluck us out of God's hand. Whatever, whatever attaches itself to you, whatever gets involved in your life has to get in God's hand. Think about that for a minute. That's where we are. <laughs> Let me say it another way. Let me say it another way. Make it personal to me. You'll get it. I am in God's hand. I have been in his hand for quite some time. When Corona got in my life, it got in God's hand. So Corona couldn't do to me everything it wanted to do because God had his hand on me and Corona. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I want you to see this mental picture that whatever's in your life terrorizing you, giving you pain, causing you sleepless nights. Remember, it's in God's hand along with you. It cannot do whatever it wants to do because it too is in God's hand. When you're saved, you belong to Christ. Somebody say, I belong to Christ. We belong to Christ. We are in his hand. But the question is, this is the real purpose of us in this message tonight. This is the real question. Do we really realize what it truly means to be in God's hand? Do you truly know what it means to be in God's hand? Or is it just one of these phrases or songs we've sung? Do, have you ever stopped to consider what it really means to be in God's hand? First Peter five and six, first Peter five and six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God. You and I are in the mighty hand of God. 
remember my grandfather said something to me many years ago. He was in his 90s. He pastored a church in Oklahoma. And he said to me, he said, son, do you know the difference between the devil and God? I said, no, Papa, I don't. He said, the devil is mighty, but God is almighty. As simple as that is, that would help a lot of us if we remember that. Because, see, the pain that you can feel can make you think, man, the devil is just so powerful. The trouble that you're facing, man, the devil is just relentless. The confusion in your head, man, the devil is, I can't get a break. That might be true, but it's only true to a certain extent when you bring God into the equation. Oh, bless his name. Because since God is almighty, that means he has power over the devil. And it helps you remember that the devil or Satan is not God's equal opposite. Satan is a created being. The devil is a created being. Don't give him more power and more credit than he deserves. Neither should we ignore him, but don't give him and put him on the same level as God. And that'll help you persevere. Because you know that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. So then what do you do? You stop looking at your enemy. You stop looking at your problem. You stop looking at all your challenges. And you and I begin to humble ourselves because we're in God's hand. We humble ourselves. God, you, you're allowing this. Remember Job? Bible talks about the patience of Job. That's endurance. You just need to endure something. You're going to come out, but you need to humble yourself right now before you come out. While God is bringing you out, humble yourself. Stop kicking against the gold. Stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Stop doing everything Israel did in the wilderness. Humble yourself and say, God, I may not understand why I'm in this dealing with these things, but I'm still in your hand. And you know all things. You know my down sitting and my uprising. You know my thoughts from afar off. I humble myself before you at this moment, knowing that you're not going to abandon me, knowing that you're not going to leave me here. I'm going to humble myself because I'm in your hand. You got this. Even if I don't understand it, you got this. Humble yourself. What? Under the mighty hand of God. Uh, theologians and Bible teachers, uh, and of course it's in the scriptures, there's this term called anthropomorphism. And you may not have noticed it, but uh, when God is referred to many times in scripture, uh, the Bible uses physicality. The hand of God. Now, we know God is spirit. God doesn't have a physical hand. He doesn't have five digits on the end of his appendage. He, he doesn't have a hand. But, but it's, it's called anthropomorphism because these are physical attributes that are attributed to God to help us understand him. So, so, so. When you hear or read things like, well, for example, there's the number three is the number of the Trinity. So three is a divine number. So when God is spoken of in terms of the manifestation of his power towards us, it's spoken of in threes or in a three, a group of three. The first one is the finger of God. The second one is the hand of God. And of course, three being the greatest, the third is the arm of God. Just like there's more strength in your arm than in your finger. And there's more strength in your hand than in one finger. So when we talk about God in anthropomorphic terms, we're using physical things or physicality to help us understand when God is moving and the level that he's moving in our life. For example, Jesus said <laughs> that he casts out devils by the finger of God, which lets us know it doesn't take a lot of power to get rid of demons. Let me say that again. 
Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Luke eleven twenty. 20. So when you have demonic activity surrounding you, no, it doesn't take a lot of God's power to dismiss those demonic activity in your life. So don't be afraid. I'm talking to somebody. Don't be afraid of things that go bump in the night. Just say, Jesus, use your finger to get them out of my life. You don't have to jump and shout and spit and put on combat boots. and get you. It's just the finger of God dismisses demons. Let's do this. Let's just do this exercise right now. Uh, uh, repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, use your finger to dismiss all demonic activity in my life. Don't sweat it anymore. Don't sweat it. Jesus just used the finger of God. So then the next level of God's power then is seen in his hand, which is what we're talking about tonight, which is why you need to understand you're in the hand of God. Somebody say, I'm in God's hands. That means if you stay in his hands, demons can't touch you. Because they're afraid of any one of his fingers. You got to think differently. Some of y'all watch too much TV. Listen, if you listen, I, I, you know, I'm going to just say this and I'm going to move on because it's more to it than this. But this is going to help somebody. Listen, stop watching the purge. Stop watching zombie movies. What is that? Zombie apocalypse. You. My God, you stop. I'm just going to say it right there. Just stop. Because you're opening the door of your mind for your spirit to be tormented by demons. That all it takes is the finger of God to dismiss. But if you keep watching them zombie movies, all you see is hundreds of them come back. That's all you see, just thousands of them coming. You shoot them, they can't, they, I mean, whatever. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Say, I'm in God's hand. Nothing can pluck me out. See yourself in the hand of God. Humble yourself so you can see and understand what it means to be in the hand of God. So we got the finger of God, which is the smallest display of God's power. Then you've got the hand of God, which is greater than the finger of God. And then you have the ultimate, which is the arm of God. In Exodus 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, thou shalt, uh, thou, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. God says to Moses, you're getting ready to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. I've been talking to Pharaoh through you. But now I'm going to do something to Pharaoh. Don't miss that. I've been having you talk to Pharaoh, but I harden his heart because I want to do some stuff to Pharaoh. He goes on to say, uh, for with a strong hand, somebody say a strong hand. Do you realize you're in the strong hand of God? Hallelujah. And so God says, I'm getting ready to do something to Pharaoh with a strong hand. Shall he let them go? I'm about to get my hand on Pharaoh. I'm about to get my hands on Pharaoh. And when I get my hand on him, he's sure enough going to let you go. He goes on to say, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of the land. I'm going to use my hand to make him want to push you out. To for, I'm, my hand is going to be so strong on Pharaoh that the guy, they said, I'll never let you go, not even out into the wilderness to worship. My hand's going to be so strong on him. He's going to say, go, please go, run, go now. See, this is the power of persistence and perseverance. You need to know whose hand you're in. You need to know that when the enemy fool with you and mess with you, he's messing with God. God laid hands on Pharaoh. 
allowing Pharaoh to experience the power of God. Ezekiel 20, 33 and 34. As I live, says the Lord God, as I live, says the Lord God, with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm. Oh, there we go. And with fury poured out, I will rule over you. That's serious. Now, when God says, I'm going to use my hand and my outstretched arm. Oh, you, you can ready to feel the full brunt of my power. Verse 34, he says, I will bring you out from the people. Somebody needs to know God is about to bring you out of some things that you have been in generationally. He's about to bring you out of some things that the enemy has made you think God is going to leave you there. He's not going to leave you in that condition. He's about to bring you out. It's all about perseverance and allowing the finger and the hand and the arm of God to move in your life. You need to understand the degrees and the levels that God is at work in your life because you might want an arm move and he's doing a finger move. The arm move comes after the hand move. But you need to celebrate and humble yourself as the finger of God is moving in your life and the hand of God begins to move. You need to stay humble and praise him because it won't be long before the arm of God gets involved in your situation and God brings you out with power. I believe God is about to bring the church out of some things in power. I'm talking about the church as a whole, not one individual church. I believe God is coming back for a glorious church. And he's going to move heaven and earth. He's going to use his power. And everybody's going to know, because again, God always does what he's already done. Hallelujah. Write it down. If you want to know what God is going to do, study what he's already done. <laughs> More dim. See, why does God do? I'm stuck right here. I got to go here. Why does God like to do what he's already done? Why, why does God like to do what he's already done? Well, let me, this is going to be so simple to you when I tell you. Um, um, Tom Brady, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Why? Because he keeps going to the Super Bowl. See, the more you repeat yourself, It proves nobody can stop you. <laughs> so God loves doing what he's already done to prove he's God. Because you can't stop me. You couldn't stop me the first time. You couldn't stop me the second time. You couldn't stop me the third time. And that also gives us confidence that if he did it before, he'll do it again. Somebody get ready because God is about to do something in your life to show everybody I'm still God. And I may have done it a hundred years ago or even a thousand. But I want you to know I am still God. And you cannot stop me. Anybody can win one Super Bowl just about, but it would win seven. Anybody can do an amazing thing once, but to keep repeating it, that means you're amazing. Our God is amazing. When you read, I mean, when you really read and study the Bible, you'll realize God keeps doing what he's always done. Some enemies get the finger of God. Let me say that quickly. Some enemies get the finger of God. Some of our enemies are getting the finger of God right now. Others get the hand of God. While there are some that are about to experience the arm of God. Why? Excuse me, because our heavenly father never turns his back on his children. Do you know there's some enemies? Really? And you you got to know this, but I'm going to say it in case you don't. There are some enemies that really think they own you. Ah, mm. Let me help somebody right now. I feel this. Somebody listening to me. Cancer has made you think it owns you. 
And what cancer is trying to do is get you to humble yourself under it. But when you realize that you're in God's hand and God owns you, then you realize cancer don't own me. And cancer is in God's hand like I'm in God's hand. And God, it's time for you to begin to move using your mighty arm and destroy what's been trying to destroy me. That needs to be somebody's prayer that's listening and watching right now. You need to begin to declare that no weapon truly formed against you shall be able to prosper. And I will not have another negative report about this sickness, this disease, or whatever it might be. Because God will never turn his back on me. He promised that he's a healer. So God, I'm going to stay in your face until you heal me. I'm going to persevere until I see what you promise. I'm going to persevere until you perfect what you promised me. The last words that Moses spoke to Israel before he retired in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 Moses says to the people be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them, them your enemies. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth go with thee. Why? Listen, don't be afraid of the enemies that surround you. Be strong, be of a good cheer. cheer. Come on, keep persevering. Don't be afraid of them because who? is with you the Lord your God he's going with you every step of the way he has been with you why he never abandons his children he will not fail thee Moses says nor will he forsake or abandon you I want somebody that's locked in the apartment in your house for the last 18 months due to COVID you're fearful you're scared this and that and the third has happened this person you love died this person you work with and you are afraid I want you to know that God is right there with you you do not need to be afraid because God will never abandon you that is not God's M.O. his name is Jehovah the self-existing eternal God that keeps his promise you just need to get back into the word of God and remember what he promised you and then you'll know you can persevere because you're walking by faith and not by sight. I mean, I was listening, watching the news rather, and uh, I, heard, I heard it said that, 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 that our governor uh, in Illinois, he's, he's going to lift the rest mask restrictions by the end of this month. Now, what you need to understand is what's wonderful. But just because he lifted. Don't mean he has the power over Corona. <laughs> People don't like it when I talk like this. If he never lifted. I'm just as bold today as I was before I got it. Because I believe God before I got it, which is why God brought me through it. And like I just told you, if he did it before, he can do it again. Huh. Fear not, my brothers and my sisters. Fear not. Be strong and of a good courage. That's the first message I preached when I came back from being healed of COVID-19 and whatever variant it was. God does not fail his children. Write that down. God does not fail his children. And let me just say this, uh, and I pray you get the revelation by Holy Spirit. God forbid, and I'm not trying to you know, freak my family out or anything, but, but I got the mic and I got to preach truth and faith. Listen, if I would have died, I still would have came out on top. Because I'd have been in heaven. 
See, you can't say stuff like that if you love the world. Oh, I got my bucket list. I can't leave. Are you kidding me? You can have every bucket in my house. I'm going to, if, I'm going to heaven. Forget a bucket list. Are you kidding me? See, you love the world too much. I just got to go see the Eiffel Tower. Really? <laughs> God does not fail his children. Get that in your spirit. What you may consider a failure, God considers a test. God calls it light affliction. Light affliction. This light affliction. The world that we live in is full of light afflictions. You know who make them big? People. People. People you talk to. Ooh, child. You know, let me say this. I'm going to finish my message. You know, this, this, this is why. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. This is why, this is why too many of y'all have problems in your marriage. Because you got folks saying, ooh, I wouldn't take that man for my wife. That ain't your wife, dude. You taking something from your wife that somebody else wouldn't take is your wife. Mm -hmm. Child, I wouldn't take that from him. That's why you're having problems in your marriage. You listening to somebody else telling you what they won't take. What does the scripture say you're supposed to take? Because God will help you take that. Why? Because you're in his hand. And if you got married in a holy union, both of y'all in his hand. Since I feel really revelatory and really open, I'm going to say something to you. I guarantee it's going to mess you up. Because I hear some folks, yeah, but bitch, you don't know I'm in this abusive. This thing been, I've been in this. You just don't know. This is just not God. I made a mistake. And people can make a mistake in marriage like anything else. But watch this. This is going to mess you up, but it's in the Bible. Jesus said, <laughs> in heaven, they are never married nor given in marriage. So they ain't going to be your husband all the time anyway. So just look for glory, because at that point, that joker ain't going to be married to you no more. Amen. Amen. See, we love down here as an example, an ensample of what God's love is for the bride, his church. But when this is over, we ain't going to be married to each other. You ain't going to be with your wife in, her, in heaven. You might be in heaven together, but you ain't going to be married together. You better live right. Oh, you ain't ready for this. Yeah, you're not going to be married in heaven. So if you're one of them kind of folk, you just, you just can't make it without him or her, you're in bad shape. Because <laughs> there's going to come a day you ain't going to be married to him. You're not going to be married to her. It, it, it's a good thing God knows what he's doing. Somebody say amen, even if you don't understand. <laughs> God does not fail his children. He does not. He goes with us to make sure, again, that we're successful, that no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. You know, some of us remember, some of us may not remember, when you were, you know, a head start in kindergarten, your parents went to school with you. Because you didn't know anything about school and, and, and they wanted to make sure nothing happened to you. And this is what the father does. He goes with us to make sure nothing happens to us because none of us have passed this way before. Jesus in the last chapter of Matthew says to his disciples who felt Jesus was abandoning them. They thought Jesus was a, things were just getting good. You're only 33 years old, doc. You ain't going nowhere. Jesus and I got to go. And they felt abandoned. And Jesus had to tell them, look, lo, I am with you always. I'm with you all the time, even to the end of the world, even when it's jacked up out there. I'm still there. I'm not going to just stay on earth while the times are good. 
I'm going to be with you during pandemics and famines and pestilence and war and rumors of wars. And I'm going to be with you always. Do you realize, my brothers and sisters, the reason we're supposed to continue to persevere is because God is still yet with us? Don't again, don't ever allow yourself to think God is not in this with you. That's blasphemous. Jesus says, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And then Jesus said, amen. And Jesus wasn't religious. He said, amen, or it was amen was written because amen means this is a certainty. This is going to be even as we declare. That's what amen. When you say amen, you're saying may it be even as you declared because it can be no other way. It can be no other way. Whatever God says, it can be no other way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Whatever God says, it can be no other way. So you need to find out what did God say about you because it can be no other way. I'm going to persevere because it can be no other way. That's what we talked about David did. David was anointed to be king at 15. Nine years later, he's at Ziklag where it looks, it's starting to look like what God said is coming to pass. Then, he, then, then, then all the, 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 the women and children are taken and the city is burned down. Now it don't look nothing like what God said. And the Bible says we went through this. David had wept with his men until they had no power to weep. My notes were wrong, by the way. I'm glad I'm bringing this back up uh, from Sunday or whenever it was. I taught this a couple of Sundays ago. The Bible says David wept with his men until they had no more power to weep. David got in his feelings and his emotions like everybody else. Sometimes we will. We're human. But David didn't stay in his feelings. David got up and said, wait a minute, God ain't finished with me. He promised I was going to be king. So the story can't end here. I'm trying to tell somebody prophetically, your story is not going to end here. I don't care what the diagnosis, the prognosis. I don't care if you lost everything like David did. I want you to know this is not the end of your story. If God has said some things and promised you some things, you need to do like David and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to cry for the next six months. I'm going to get before God. And David put on the linen ephod and he got into the presence of God and he realized, Wait a minute. I got six more years. Well, not six. He didn't realize that. But there was going to be six more years before the manifestation of the promise to be king happened. I want you to know it's not over till God says it's over. And you and I have to persevere. Somebody shout persevere. Okay, listen, let's try it again. Use your outdoor voice. Somebody shout persevere got to persevere you we got to keep going why because God is going to perfect he's going to complete what concerns us I'm not letting God off the hook I'm not in this just for church I'm in this for purpose and destiny there's no reason for people like me to wake up I don't wake up just to have good church and have a good meal and have good fellowship with people. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm in this for purpose and destiny. You better hear what I'm saying. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. I'm finishing. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faintest not? Neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah said, uh, don't you know how great your God is? Don't you know you're in his hand? Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? 
Don't you know your God is greater? We sing our God is great. Do you really know that, though? Don't you know God is greater than sickness and disease? Don't you know he's greater than the last days, plagues, rumors, wars, famine? Don't you know he's greater than that? You don't need to worry. We're in the last days and the last of the last days. But you don't need to worry because our God is greater. Haven't you heard the awesome things he's done? That's why you and I need to read them because it reminds us what he's going to do. God has always saved his people. Read it every single time, even in their rebellion, when they repented, when they cried unto the Lord, he sent somebody to deliver them. That's what God does. And he's going to deliver you. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Somebody's about to get delivered. Somebody's about to get rescued. Somebody's about to get a breakthrough. Somebody's about to get a visitation. Why? This is what God does. You just got to persevere and hold on. The everlasting God. The God we serve is the only one that is eternal and everlasting. Don't you know our God outlasts every famine, every plague, every nation, every dictator, every president, every ambassador. God has outlasted uh, 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 everything you can think of. Oil embargoes. God has outlasted everything. <laughs> There's nothing God hasn't outlasted. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. God, hear this, God created parts of the world you ain't even seen. God doesn't get tired. You think because you're tired, God is tired. God doesn't get tired. Because you're weary, you're tired and frustrated about dealing with the same thing. You just feel like, well, you know, what's the use? God, no, God don't think like you. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God is not, I think, look at your neighbor and say, I'm God, I'm glad God ain't you. Because you can't hardly take much. You just you you shut the world down a long time, but you just shut everything down. Listen, hear this. Every created thing gets old and wears out. Right? You, 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 know, you, know, them, you know those old jacked up shoes you're trying to get your husband to throw away? He just loved them shoes, though. You know, you know that, that coat your wife still wears? I bought you a new one. She just liked that one. It's ratty. Everything wears out. Everything gets old and wears out. Here's the revelation. So does your enemies. Lift your hands right there. Lift your hands right there. Some of you are still worried about some enemies and they got so old, they decrepit, they can't even hurt you no more. You still worried about them because they've been in your life so long, you still think they're young and strong and vital. I want you to know the very thing that you're worried about is getting old and is wearing out. And all you need to do is recognize that you're in God's hand and make up your mind you're going to persevere and that thing will break its power off of your life because it's getting old, it's wearing out. I said this years ago. Some devils you cast out, others you last out. That's why you got to keep going. That's why we have to keep going. Because you're going to outlast some things that once they're gone, they'll never be in your life again. You just got to, in your marriage, you got to outlast some stuff. In your business, you got to outlast some stuff. In your physical body, we have to outlast some things. Keep taking your meds. Keep taking your supplements. Keep praying. Keep fasting. You're going to outlast this too because even our enemies wear out. Our enemies getting old. God designed our bodies to heal themselves. Your body is still producing antibodies to fight that very thing. Oh, God. The reason you're still alive is your body is still fighting for you. 
God put that in you. Hmm. Isaiah 47 and 8. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 7 and 8. The grass withereth. The flower fadeth. Listen to this. Because the spirit of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth. The flower fadeth. But the word of God stands forever. The reason the green grass turns brown is not just because it's not getting any rain. It's not just because the sun is burning on it. God is breathing on it. That's what the Bible says. The spirit of the Lord blows on it. If the spirit of the Lord and it, he does. When he blows on the grass and it gets brown, what do you think happens to our enemies when the breath of God reaches them? Isn't this amazing? The very breath that God blows on them will kill them. But the breath that God blows on us gives us life. So the very thing that gives us life is the thing that's killing our enemy. That's why you got to keep persevering. Stay in prayer, fast, and ask the Holy Ghost. Stand on your feet, everybody in here. Stand on your feet. This is why you got to ask the Lord to breathe on you. Ask him right now. Breathe on me, Father. Breathe on me, Holy Ghost, because the very life that comes into you is killing your enemies. It's killing the enemy. It, it, it wouldn't hurt any moment for you to say that. It wouldn't hurt for you any moment to say that. I'd say that every day. God, breathe on me because it's life to me and it's death to my enemies. God, breathe on me. It's life to me and death to my enemies. Breathe on me. Kill every germ, virus, disease. Kill everything that's not like you. Breathe on me and give me life. Give me strength. Give me health. Help me to persevere. God, breathe on the church of the living God. Breathe on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pour out your spirit again. Breathe on us so we can live and everything that's not like you can die let me pray because some of y'all didn't believe that and I'm not here to hype you up I'm here to tell you the truth you gotta want God to breathe on you because his breath is life to his children but his breath is death to our enemies. Breathe on your church. Breathe, holy God. We can persevere if you breathe. We can make it to the end if you keep breathing on us. Father, tonight somebody needs to be saved. Save them. Hear their desperate cry as they pray. Something as simple as God save me. I don't want to live my life as a sinner. Breathe on me. Fill me with your spirit, your life. So I'll have purpose and I can understand my destiny in you. We thank you that you that started this work in them will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ as they stay committed to you in Jesus name amen God bless you reach in front of you in an offering envelope or get your device out your personal electronic device those of you that are watching please use one of those options at the bottom of the screen sow a seed into the kingdom of God God is a blesser it's the repetition that promotes the learning it's the seed sown that produces the harvest. You can never get a harvest if you don't sow. And it's the repetition that produces a continual harvest. Hold your hand up. Let me pray for you. And we're going to worship. Father, I thank you for every person listening. 
I thank you for everyone that will listen. I thank you for strengthening us. Yes, God. Strengthening your family in our inner man where Christ dwells by faith that we can be rooted and grounded in you may be able to comprehend with the saints the height, the depth, the width that we might be able to persevere and finish by the grace and the anointing of God upon us what you created us to be and to do. We rebuke every obstacle in our way and we thank you for breathing on our enemies that have gotten old and decrepit and weak and weary as you are making us stronger. We give you the glory, the honor and the praise in all of these things and more in Jesus name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.